If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. So with the weekend at hand, the hockey pucks will be feverishly monitoring the progress or lack thereof of NHL teams looking to trade fourth round draft picks for sixth line wingers, which is uh, generally what happens on uh, trade deadline day. Um, and apparently, Shannon, we're going to discuss this again today, are we? Well, or and the state of the National Hockey League and what's going on in certain cities. And there's not just trade deadline day, Bob. There's lots of things always happening in hockey. And there's lots of people that want to hear about hockey. So that's why we have two hockey pucks on. Would you care to share some of the things that are going on in hockey? Well, no, that perhaps no. I'm not aware of. Well, yeah, you actually have to watch games. Well, I don't think that's mandated. Um, since, oh. since we don't work for anybody but ourselves. There's nobody to say you must watch this game anymore. But you do watch once in a while. Uh, once in a while, John, but uh, not not as often as um, clearly yeah. you do. Uh, I know you have your <laughs> 56 screens uh, going every night at home, so you won't miss a moment of action anywhere no, for reasons no. that are inexplicable to me, but nonetheless. Um, how do you manage when you're in Edmonton, by the way, with only it's one? Harder. You only have one screen. No, I have two, so it's... Uh... But, oh, you uh, use your laptop and your and the uh, TV in the room. Yeah, yeah. But I, it's actually much more difficult uh, to do what I normally do when I'm actually covering a single game. Um, but the other aspect of it is, is because of the time difference. Um, you know, we uh, we end up having to we pay attention to the Eastern starts and then do a, a game that starts in the West a little later and then go on from there. But it's uh, it is what it is. But lots of great stories in hockey, and, uh, and we, you know, there's there are teams out there like the St. Louis Blues uh, that uh, you know were a Stanley Cup champion not that long ago. I mean, they, they're they're in tight even to make the playoffs. So it's going to be some interesting races. There's only 15 or 16 games left for every team before the playoffs start. And how would this affect what happens on Monday? That's or a great between question. Now and Monday. That's a, that's a great question. Some teams may say, "Hey, listen." Uh, we don't have very much cash. We're not going to do anything or there's going to be an owner that says, no, you can't spend that money. Or there's going to be, I think a couple of owners are going to say, no, we're all in. And because I think it's a lot goes back to revenue and how much cash you want to take on. If you're not putting people in seats. Who are the best teams in the national hockey league right now? Who are the teams that could make a move at the deadline and justify that move because they have already proven themselves to be capable of winning a Stanley cup because well, there's lots of pretenders and lots of general managers who think their team is good enough, but everybody else knows better. Well, uh, I can, let's quickly go through it. Uh, there's not that many, but one already has your buddy Lou Lamorello has made a trade and got two of his former former New Jersey devils and Kyle Palmieri, who we talked about on Tuesday. Uh, and Travis Sajak, they're now New York Islanders, and he gave up a first-round pick for them. 
Uh, and uh, so they're the best team in the East. Uh, Florida and Tampa, both uh, in that central division, are, are very good. Florida, for the first time, is competitive with its cross-state rival. They might do something. Uh, Colorado might be the best team in hockey right now, Bob. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche have just been lights out for the last 15 games, just spectacular. They have to do a couple of tweaks. Um, and I think Toronto and Winnipeg in the North are going to have to, they think they have to do something to get over the hump of beating uh, two of the three teams they're going to face in the playoffs, Montreal, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Toronto, et cetera. Um, well, we'll talk about it. Uh, on this edition of the uh, program, our friends uh, Darren Pang and Greg Millen, a couple of targets. Yeah, well, you were too, so it's I, I you know, you were too. You were. What, is, what is it about goaltenders that you know? Um, it's like catchers in baseball; they see the field, they see the ice. It it is really, isn't it? Yes, it is totally. And um, there are more goaltenders who become broadcasters more than coaches or general managers, although. You know, there've been a few of those too, but, but not, not nearly as many, but broadcasters, I think probably than any other position. Goalies have to watch for 60 minutes. Players only watch for the 22 minutes they play. Yeah. But goaltenders are lazy and they, they get uh, every couple of nights off. So, and I'm not sure they watch from the bench. I think they're doing crossword puzzles over there. Or uh, John Garrett used to eat hot dogs. So. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Like the, the days of lighting up a cigarette, you know, um, on, you know, oh, it's only, only in the intermission. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Yeah, but we we both know that there were players who who'd go through three or four cigarettes during a fifteen minute intermission. You know, the the greatest smoker of all time, Guy Lafleur. Guy Lafleur. Yeah, absolutely. You know, last time I saw Guy Lafleur, I was at a uh, uh, I was at a deal at uh, Brian Aaronworth's place. He owns uh, Frameworth Custom Framing, and Guy Lafleur was among those who was, were there. And at some point before the dinner started, I slipped out the back door. And guess who was standing in the parking lot oh, with, with a dart in his mouth? I'm not surprised. Like, some things never change, right? Indeed. <laughs> Going for uh, your exercise, Bob. That's good. Pang and Millen, when we come back after these messages. Uh, the program is uh, back, whether you're um, listening on radio or uh, watching on um, YouTube or listening on a podcast. We are um, almost ubiquitous now. It's uh, McCowan, it's Shannon. We're what? Um, ubiquitous. Well, I don't use around words that the world large. and up your street. Words larger than marmalade aren't good, Bob. Uh, it's always thrilling to have uh, two former targets um, along to uh, chat about things. Uh, Shannon was actually. Oh, I should. I should introduce them. I suppose uh, uh, Darren Pang is uh, with us and uh, Greg Millen, and we were commenting on this. It is intriguing how many um, goaltenders wind up um, as media people. Um, would either of you like to try and explain your journeys to the august positions you now hold? You want to start paying or it's a, it's an interesting story. It's, it's a very good story. I might still have the, uh, the VHS tape to prove our story. I have, a, long I have a copy too, boys. What, I have a was it an audition? Oh no, I hope you don't. I sure do. You, you know, uh, Bob, it was, it was, uh, I was just ending my career in, uh, in Chicago. And uh, I was sitting up on the, in the organ loft with a Marantz recorder and uh, Lisa Seltzer, one of the great people in our game, she was a director and a producer for the Blackhawks all those years, uh, told me to go up and watch the game and uh, basically do play by play. So I, I would do that. Millsy was, uh, 
end about to end his career or, or close to it or thinking about no, it. No, 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 no. And I was getting in the press box for Mike Keenan. Let's get that straight. Well, okay. So you, you, were, right? you were, yeah, you, you and I, you and I got the nine of hearts from, from that uh, one particular guy. But so we ended up um, doing a, an audition tape, Bob, that we, it was a Maple Leafs in Chicago. Lisa had us go early, dress up in a shirt and tie. She had a backdrop set up down in the bowels of the stadium. And we, we basically imitated an open where later she put video to it. Then we went up to the organ loft, did the game. I did play-by-play. Millsy did color. And then she also attached that to the entire game. Then we went back, back down between periods. So we had ourselves an audition tape. And uh, I'll let you take it from there, Millsy, because uh, you ended up getting right on national TV because of Mr. Shannon right from that. I, I'm yeah, pretty well, sure we, that's the way it went. Pretty much. We can back up back up a little bit because when I was playing and being bounced around, John said, uh, you might want to try TV because you're not stopping the puck. So that was, that was back in <laughs> late in my career. So I had a little bit of a bug in my ear from John to think, you know, what, that would, might be fun. So then we got the tape and then oddly enough, Ottawa started uh, that season and I was done from the game and TV Johnny, you may know him, Bob, remember him and Michael Lansbury, the director actually saw the tape and, uh, I think I'm the only one ever that started in television working for one team and being a goalie coach for another team for Bob Gainey in Minnesota at the time. I don't know how I did that looking back, but uh, that's remarkable. it seemed to work out all right for the teams. And uh, Bob, the answer to your question, though, to circle back a little bit more, probably, you know, goaltenders tend to end up talking to the media an awful lot throughout their careers. Because when nobody has a story, what do they do? They go, well, back in the day, they go to the goalies and say what happened. And so perhaps one of my theories is we are used to media because we were, they were around us a lot mm. being a goaltender. And maybe the other one is the game in front of us, like a catcher. Uh, that might be the other one too. But those are the two that uh, come to mind for me. Well, um, it was nice of Mr. Shannon to uh, spot um, you and uh, well, effectively both of you from time to time and uh, give you the opportunity that uh, you have capitalized on. I, of course, have worked with John for um, decades now and I've never been given any kind of an opportunity. That's never not true. That's shoulder. not true. Well, That's what job true. did you get me? You know, where, at, at what point did you enhance my career? I think with some I, great I, opportunity that I think you worked for Lease TV for four days. I don't believe I worked for Leafs TV oh, for no. four days. No, you were there for four days. You just didn't get paid. I never went well, there for four days. Well, if you didn't Bob, get paid, Bob, you didn't you work were... for them, John. <laughs> this is the TV business, man. <laughs> Bob's a billion-dollar industry in his own. Bob, I think you've done fairly well, uh, yeah, he... you know, alongside right. John and without Sean. You know what I mean? I'm all right. You know, I'm not complaining, Panger, You're... but, I mean, if I get an opportunity oh. like this to take a, you know, a stab at, at Shannon... Did... I'm well, not letting you, that you know pass. I, I'm going to take a. How come I didn't get any jobs in play-by-play with that great resume tape that I did too? I tried to imitate Danny Gallivan. I tried to imitate uh, Dan Kelly, and yet I I got nothing in the, in terms the, of play-by-play, which was my dream to be play-by-play guy. The the key was it was an imitation. It wasn't the real thing. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> no, I, but but you did. I, I must I, I must say, and and Darren, I think you should probably start this next segment. Because you always wanted to be a host too, so yeah. why, why don't you just take why don't you take it now and just start the show? Well, hi again, everyone, and welcome back inside. I'm Darren Pang, alongside Bob, John, and Greg Millen. We welcome you back on the tenth hole. Hi, friends. 
Well, Justin that explains Rose it all. That, that explains it, Pinger. I'll send you the tape and uh, you'll see what happened. Yeah. <laughs> maybe tw- maybe 20 years late, but nonetheless, I think we have a complete analysis <laughs> now. I, 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 my judgment was better than I thought it was. So that's good. Cool. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Stay in your lane, Pinger. That's the key, man. Hold on. Hold on. I, hey, always listen. stay in my lane. Darren, you've done pretty well. You're doing okay. You know, you've, you know, you're going to be on a TV in our hearts uh, pretty soon. I have a sense uh, in the next few years, you're going to be just fine with all the things that Everything, you have going. Everything's been just fine. I hate to name drop because Robert De Niro told me never to do that. But Wayne Gretzky <laughs> did once say that no one's got more out of 27 wins than, than possibly I have. So I'm, I'm grateful for all the opportunities I've, I've had. <laughs> yeah, well, well, 27 wins. You had 27 wins? Did those, yeah, does that count the games that you sat big. on the bench and watched? No, no, those are my own individual wins. No, no, my own goodness. The, the, this, the, other, the, the other great thing that Darren did was when he was up for Rookie of the Year, uh, they had T-shirts made in Chicago, that, and he was up against a guy named Joe Newendike, and, and the, the, the T-shirts oh. in Chicago were, Pang is easier to spell than Newendike. So. <laughs> that was well, another I... Lisa Seltzer production, and we sold those T-shirts for charity in Chicago. It was a, it was a big hit, and I was happy <laughs> to say that when Joe Newendike won – uh, the Calder, and when we were at the all uh, the all rookie uh, uh, banquet in, I think that was in Montreal at the time. He uh, he looked over and he said, "That was really good. That was a good slogan. That was a, all the idea of Lisa Seltzer. Uh, I mean, because you can't spell New Index a hard word to spell, a hard name kidding. to spell, isn't it? Right? It's so, hard to spell hey. if you've got it written out in front of you and you're trying to exactly. just copy it. You know, you got to keep looking back after every letter, <laughs> I's and E's and U's and W's and. I think there's a couple of Z's and X's. And Y's. Too. Yes, you're right. Um, I, I think you guys probably know me well enough, but but um, uh, we we are here to discuss the trade deadline, which I, I have long believed is the most colossal waste of time, energy, money, and resources in the history of the world. And um, this battle between TSN and Sportsnet specifically um, has done nothing, but, I mean, it's certainly enhanced the NHL's profile at a time of year when i mean we can all remember that you know this this didn't happen you know we we would pick up the newspaper the next morning or that 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 afternoon or whatever to see what happened so i understand the the league has has benefited from it um but do you guys i mean as hockey pucks uh, am i completely wrong do you actually think there is merit in the kind of coverage that this day has elicited i have great news for you bob you may not have heard okay speak that sportsnet has now moved the time to noon because of covid so no longer at 8 a.m until noon the poor guys on the desk are going to be staring at each other waiting for something to happen so you this must make your day bob well i'd be happy if they started it at noon and uh, announced they were going to end it at 12 15. that would make some (laughs) sense to me um, uh, and of course, as is often the case with uh, Sportsnet, um, this I'm sure has nothing to do with uh, starting at 12 noon. It's because TSN kicks the crap out of them in the ratings all the time, and and um, nothing ever happens between 8 a.m. And, and noon. Wasn't noon where they started doing this? Wasn't it about noon they used to start? I, I think so, and then it became a competition, and then yeah. they, you know, and that was one against the other. I believe. I don't know. I mean, 
I think it's great that noon makes a heck of a lot more sense to me. That's when things start to come down and you can actually talk about trades and what's happening. And, uh, you know, I, I, I guess, Bob, for, for the hockey fan, it's been a, it's been a huge event for them to watch. Um, sure. And the difference too now today, which will make it intriguing a little bit, is everybody's lining up for Seattle this year, right? Not shuffling their decks so they don't lose players. You only, so, you only, that you only lose one player in the expansion draft. You only lose one player. But there's you know. some situations where you may lose one you don't want to lose. Well, but, it, but the last the goaltending position. The so, last time, the last time teams went through this with Vegas, some managers went overboard. And started yeah. to give things to, to to George McPhee in Vegas, and and quite frankly, and, and maybe Darren, you you may agree or disagree. I think it cost them their jobs in the long run because they they gave away so much. I mean, Chuck Fletcher in Minnesota comes to mind when he was there. He gave away so much in order to yeah. tra- try to protect players that he thought were valuable to him. He, it might have cost him his job. Which yeah, might look be a disadvantage uh, to Seattle. Sorry, Banger, but it's, it could yeah, be a dis- Florida you know, disadvantage to Ronnie Francis. It might this. be. Yeah, you know, you're right. It might be. I think I think everybody's gotten a little uh, year older and a little bit wiser in terms of that uh, negotiating. And what you value is your asset. Well, please don't take that player. I'll give you this player. Right. But then, r- realistically, the player that maybe it was a Matt Dumba in, in Minnesota you end up giving up Alex Tuck. Maybe it was someone else in Florida. You end up giving Riley Smith and Jonathan Marcheseau two main ingredients. In Anaheim, you know, maybe it was a Josh Manson. Well, they took, they took Theodore. Uh, so I thought they did a, they did a, it, it was a, 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 an incredible job all the way around of, num- of evaluating pro prospects. Uh, they did their work the same way Ron France is going to do the same work and in, in getting out there and knowing it's not just the NHLers, it's what you've got you know, in the American Hockey League, what you've got on your junior yeah. rosters and, and college players. I got, well. I, I got news for you. Uh, I think there's a chance that our friends in Vegas are going to have a role to play in this draft again because they're not involved in it. Mm-hmm. So they can take players on for teams and bury players for teams and, you know, perhaps, yeah. you know, leverage Maybe. it. You know, and, yeah. And, well, they, 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 they could play a role again. And they played another game the other night. We started the game in, in St. Louis where, I think that's three of the last four games. Vegas had to play with one or two fewer players. They couldn't yeah. dress Alex Martinez, Alec Martinez, because of a cap issue. And he had two goals the night before against the St. Louis Blues. So they're up against it a little bit themselves. And let's remember one thing, to be fair to Seattle. You can't watch juniors all year. You only watch pros for half the – I mean, they are a huge disadvantage compared to yeah, what are. Vegas – were a huge yeah, expectations should be a little lower don't you think Millsy? it's it's ridiculous it's ridiculous how ron france is going to try and build this team based on not being able to be in a rink to watch players uh it's tough one. maybe that'll be maybe that'll be to his advantage then for expectations because for anybody yeah. that wants to compare him to vegas now they can take a step back and say listen you know this is the, these last two years have been challenging in evaluating prospects and and nhl players because i don't think and, and i've been around the st louis blues now for 12 years you know, these pro games, sometimes these young players are they're in and sometimes they're out. I've never seen such an inconsistent season, especially for the younger players in dealing with being alone, in dealing with the lack of fans and the lack of energy. So I'm not even sure if the last year and a half has been a, 
a great way to analyze some of the younger prospects that are in, in the NHL right now. Well, and let's face it, the, the whole, this whole schedule with, it's basically a really compressed schedule. You're playing the same team potentially two or three yeah. times in the same week. Uh, they're a lot more physical. They may not look physical, but I'll tell you what, the second and third games of those little series, yeah. uh, they, t- they, they grind you. And a lot and of they, injuries and they, too. And they take, well, they take it, they take that toll. That's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, you know, there's a, it's interesting where we've, we've used more goaltenders this year already in just over 600 games than we used all of last year with more than, with almost 1100. We've already used more goaltenders because of it. Imagine if Keenan was coaching. W- well, we you guys, that's, more, that's enough. That's enough. Okay. No more. Of that. We, you guys might've actually, <laughs> no. you Get guys might've actually, that's enough. <laughs> you guys might've played a period. Just a period, not more. Well, hey, we used to play sixty games and get on a back-to-back on a charter flight at six oh. in the morning. Stop this stuff. Had enough. Well, I thought you were going to go to the bus thing. You know, we, you know, <laughs> I, I could have. <laughs> had to take the bus from Toronto to Chicago. We'd play in Toronto on Saturday night. Had to take the bus to Chicago to play on Sunday night. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah, with yeah, newspaper yeah. shin pads, right? Greg, Bob? Greg, oh yeah. yeah. Greg, Greg, <laughs> what was it like, Greg, to play with Turk Broda? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty funny, John. <laughs> well, and I want—I just wanted to say, look, McPhee's a, a pal of mine, and I—I uh, I like him very much and respect him a, a lot. So maybe I'm a little biased here, but what he did—who's he? With the Vegas expansion. Oh, oh George. Um, yeah, George McPhee. Uh, yeah. Um, was really significant and different, mm-hmm. and I think it caught a lot of people, us, and I think the other general managers, quite by surprise. I wonder if Francis can do the same thing or is that cat now out of the bag? Out of the bag, Bob, I would think, yeah. I think yeah. it's a great, I think it's a great point. It's going to be tougher. Everybody knows the rules. Everybody knows what happened. Everybody knows the history. And then, and then Francis is sitting here without the ability to scout the way they did. It's, it's going to be a different and challenge. You're only going to lose. You're only going to lose one player. Don't make if you if you if if the the, the future of your franchise is, is in the balance because you're going to lose maybe the ninth or tenth player on your roster, you don't have a very good team anyway. Yeah, but John, that one or ten that last player made Vegas a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they, even, they got they even they, a right away. But that but that been a good player. You can't you can't worry about Vegas. You're supposed to worry about your team. You know, come on. But why? Well, but look at Vegas had success um, unparalleled, not just in hockey, but in the history of sports. Yeah, and they had it right away in year one. They damn near won a Stanley Cup. Well, they got to the final. Yeah. Well, um, they're the first franchise to go into Vegas too. The first professional franchise sure. where I know our first couple of games in Vegas, Bob. It was such a challenge. I mean, I'm talking about audio, video. They'd never had pro sports there they've had college basketball basically was the only thing they've just grown leaps and bounds everything about what they've done the energy going there if anybody if you haven't been to a game there you gotta go just it is just superlative like you know i know just in traveling with the the blues there i bet the first time we went there i'm gonna i'm gonna bet there was 3500 that's probably sounds like a lot blues fans yeah it was jammed and it was so exciting walking from the hotel outside and there's this open area and so i can see how that was successful that's going to be different automatically from from what we're going to see in seattle just the experience of going to vegas and doing what you would normally do and then combine that with a hockey game 
Well, um, we want to talk a little bit about what we think might happen over the course of the weekend. Um, and, and I want to ask you guys whether you think there will be, there will be, will this thing accelerate with, uh, it seems to me with every passing year, teams are more inclined to try and beat the deadline rather than wait for the deadline. Mm -hmm. And um, I would have to assume the same thing is going to happen uh, this year. We've seen a few deals. We'll talk a little bit about them, but we'll talk about what might happen today, tomorrow, uh, Sunday, before we get to the trade deadline on uh, Monday. Darren Payne, Greg Millen with us. We'll come back after these messages. Bob McCowan, John Shannon, and the goaltenders and broadcasters, uh, Darren Pang and Greg Millen, are, uh, are with us. There is great speculation about who might pull the trigger on, uh, still, on a deal of significance. I think you guys mentioned Florida earlier, somebody, as a candidate here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Zito made a move with Chicago with a... With, um, Brett Connolly, yeah. Connolly, yeah. It was mm -hmm. a five-player deal, wasn't it? Yeah, mm -hmm. it, but and, and he basically he, he what he did was he, he he cleared he cleared money off of his off his cap uh, and in return also uh, uh, you know got some uh, got a couple of good young prospects and uh, and Chicago feels that uh, they basically took the money back because they could and they feel that they got a couple of good prospects so this one of those things we won't know the the value of that trade. Uh, for the Blackhawks for a, a long time. And we're, we might know the value of that trade for, for Florida by Monday. Well, the money well, by cap friendly shows what? That the Panthers have 18 million in trade deadline space. Yeah, yeah. 4 million, 4 million, 4 million cap for the remainder. Yeah, yeah, 4 million for the rest of the season. Yeah. Well, and I would, am I wrong in thinking that if they're looking for something specifically to fill in a gap for the rest of this year, it's almost got to be a defenseman. It might yeah, be with Aaron Eckblad. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I would, I would say that's a hole that needs to be filled if they're really going to be competitive with, uh, with that division and, and with Tampa Bay. Um, well, you know, we just finished talking about Vegas and how Vegas came flying out of the chute, unprecedented, went to the Stanley cup final in their first year. But I think the consensus among this group and just about everybody else is you kind of have to show you belong before you win. Um, and Florida has not yet shown it belongs in the conversation. Um, Millen, you're nodding your head. So I, I assume you agree with that assessment. Totally. Always have. And um, you think about Florida a little bit and you wonder how far they're going to go based on that conversation are they going to be all in because it's the kind of year that it is or are they going to try to add some experience to help them learn how to win a little bit if you will uh an interesting thought uh in that regard particularly from a, a manager who has had some struggles in that regard trying to get over the hump where he came from in columbus well but he is not he is not under the gun under any pressure. I think, right. you know, I, I think he's, I, I would suggest ownership is thrilled with the way Florida has played. And it's, it was unexpected to me. I don't know about you guys. Did you think Florida was as good as they've shown? Not me. No, I, I don't, I don't think so either. I, I agree. You know, I think I, I would, I would have assumed that the first year on a big contract, going to a new team and a new franchise and a new environment uh, that Bobrovsky you know, was going to be better, had to be better than last year. But I think the surprise for me was Drieger. 
um, you know, a, a one-time Ottawa Senators prospect that's really come on now and, uh, and has, allow, has allowed them to platoon the goaltenders and, and given them that, that stability back there. So, uh, but all in all, I think they've been an underachieving team the last few years. I think the parts that Dale Talon first put together and the draft picks that they had were, were I mean, who didn't think that Barkov was a guy that could lead the Florida Panthers into a better spot that, that they've been? I mean, for me, I thought as a team, they underachieved in unity and, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the parts were good, but, but the whole team, when it came down to it, just wasn't good enough to compete with the other teams that were, were making the difference. It's interesting when you started to talk about big contract, uh, big expectations, new long-term deal. Uh, I thought you were talking about the coach. Uh, because Joel Joel was on that list too. And I, I actually think that more than any other player, we are seeing now the understanding of how Joel Quinville went in there and learned, had to learn the culture of Florida and took a whole year to learn the culture of Florida. Or change a, the culture well, of Florida. Well, no, well learn, yeah. you have to learn it before you change it, Bob. And I think he went in there and I think he got a real sense of, you know, the flip-flop era that these guys lived in down there. And I think he's, he's changed that. Aaron Ekblad, before he got hurt, was the player we thought he was. Well, is that a coincidence? Jonathan Huberdeau and Barkov have had great seasons. Is that a coincidence? I think there's, I, this is one of those cases where I think we've, in year two, we saw the impact of Joel Quinville more than we saw the impact of, of any player. Uh, and and I would I would suggest if Ekblad hadn't got hurt, they they probably would have stand pat at the deadline. And they are going to have to go find an experienced defenseman to try to get them over that next hump. And it wouldn't be surprising to me to see somebody like a, a Braden Coburn, who won the Stanley Cup with Tampa last year, um, is in Ottawa. His family's still in Florida. Uh, does Braden Coburn going cross state and playing for the Panthers make sense? Well, I mean, does, that's does you, making trades. Like that yeah. makes sense, Bob, you know, the whole Canadian, the whole quarantine. Oh yeah. You know, going that way makes sense. Coming this way may yeah. not. May, may, yeah. well, may not. I mean, it's seven days now, but you know, you could argue it's probably 10 days before anybody, you know, you, you, you sit out for a week and you got to readjust, et cetera, et cetera. And you're a little bit out of shape. And Bob, your point though, the culture in Florida was a mess before Joel got there. I mean, you can talk to players inside the room uh, they just didn't have a clue how to win or how to actually be professionals down there. I'll go that far. And um, yeah. so to John, you know, to John's point as well, it might've taken Joel a while, but we're finding out what kind of coach he really is again, uh, based on the, what's happened in Florida and how, because as you know, in professional sports, it's not easy to change culture when players have been there a while. That's not an easy oh. game. It's a difficult one. And so to Joel's credit, I mean, he's been able to uh, get players to buy in. Well, yeah. and I, and, uh, I, yeah, go ahead, Panger. I was going to say that I've seen how many times you, you, you got, you got Joel with the cigar out with the horses on the golf course. You come to the rink, you've got your red face, a lot of things to get used to it mm. as you, as you, and, and, and accept when you're out there. I mean, I was out in the desert, you know, and I know it's maybe not the same thing, but I remember, Wayne, Wayne was the coach for four years and, and you, you, you think that these players are, you think that they're lackadaisical sometimes because they're coming in, it, it, you know, in that flip-flop mentality, but yet the players still come into the rink and do the same thing, but you get frustrated because you think that their, their sure. intensity level's not there 
just because of the way they look or the way they appear or the sun on their face or the fact that they're talking about golf. So there's just so much to get used to for sure. And, and changing the culture, you're right about that. Not, not easy at all. Well, and Quenville was not just a coach. He was a coach that had had success and commands respect. And, um, uh, you know, you're either going to do it his way or you're going to go hit the highway, I think, um, is, is sort of how he has always looked at it. A guy who allegedly is available is um, David Savard at Columbus. Any thoughts as to where he could go? He has actually been linked to Florida in speculation. Big right, big right hand shot, good penalty killer. Uh, again, a, a, a thick body. So when you're talking the playoffs and, and boxing out, um, things that make championship teams successful are, are, the, are the guys that can do the simple things and the predictable, reliable things. And, and I, I think Savard would be a, a good asset for them or, or for, you know, for any other team that's contending right now, whether he's a depth guy or a guy that's on that five, six role, or, you know, a guy that, uh, you know, gets in there on the, on the penalty kill. So I'm, I'm, I, I've, I've liked his, ev the evolution of David Savard. I think he'd be a good pickup. Uh, just to, just to put it in context, uh, when uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois moved to, got drafted by the Columbus Blue Jackets, he lived at David Savard's house. Mm -hmm. uh, they are very good friends. The Winnipeg Jets are in need of a defenseman. Yeah. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets don't need the defenseman for the regular season. They need a defenseman who can quarantine for seven days and be in the lineup for the last 10 games of the season and be ready for May the 14th or 15th when the playoffs start in Canada. So uh, I, I think the link and... There's a very good relationship between Yarmo Kekalainen and Kevin Sheveldayoff. Uh, they've done business together before, and they uh, they understand each other. So, for for that perspective, I think if you're going to link David Savard to Florida, you better link him to Winnipeg as well. Taylor Hall. Well, I was just going to say I was just going to go down that road. Um, um, I mean, he has been the focus of attention, and I'll be blunt with you for reasons that are inexplicable to me. Well, I know why because he was. He was supposed to be a star um, and has not been that and has had a pathetic season and is incredibly overpaid based on his performance. And I'm, I'm not talking about the quality of the person here. Uh, I, I'm not trying to impugn him in any way, shape or form. I'm talking about his performance. Buffalo is a horrible mess. They're paying him what? 8 million uh, this year. Mm -hmm. you, you, you have to believe they would like to get out from under. Um, and get something in return. And they may only get a fourth round draft choice. Well, that's not what they're asking for, Bob. I know, but that's, that's what they might get. And I, I mean, I want to ask you guys, you, you live and breathe this every day. What would you give up for Taylor Hall? Well, for me personally, uh, and I'm just going to throw this out here and I'm just evaluating what the player has been the last couple of years, what the team win percentage has been um, the last um uh, let's call it four, five, six years, other than the New Jersey Devil year. Um, if you're a real contending team, you're not bringing in a what, I mean, he's been perceived as a top six forward and maybe a top three forward, but he hasn't produced like that. And no team that's contending right now, if you're contending, you're, you're not adding unless you've got such serious injuries and you're still hanging on by a thread. I, uh, For me personally, uh, that would be a no uh, on the addition side. I would just say no and, and move forward and, and go to the next block. Melon, what would I, you do? Agreed. I, I, I wouldn't go there, Bob, at this point. Uh, not for the asking price, for sure. I mean, it may come down, and uh, but I would be uh, hesitant to take that player. And, and by know, the way, the asking price, right now the asking price, 
is first of all, you have to take the salary, which prorated is $2 million for the rest of the year. And they're, they're right now, they're still asking for our first round pick. Not a chance for me. Personally. Well, if, if, well, if, I don't if, think if, anybody would do. If they can, then, then that's, 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 uh, that's a heck of a deal for them. But the other, the other part to me is getting a player like that. And I think Taylor Hall has been talked about and put on a, on a higher scale for far too long for me. But when you, when you add a player like that, that's all anybody talks about for the longest period of time. And it's all about that player. And it takes away for all that the players have done this long into a season to get to the playoffs. You're adding a player that's not, there's been no pressure on Taylor Hall for, for years. So is, you know, is he deemed a pressure player? So all the work that those guys that have, that have put in now get shoved aside Roles get shoved aside. The power play that was working, that player doesn't get the candy he was getting because here comes Taylor Hall or somebody else like a Taylor Hall. And that takes away from the team concept. Usually that doesn't work. And they, the team's not going to have success. Uh, for me, uh, adding a player like that, that just gets so much attention at this point of the year. And on top of that, you're, you're dealing with a rookie general manager who's still learning that part of the trade. And, and listen, we all have friends that are managers or have been managers. These guys will cut your eyes out. <laughs> yeah. They will, they, to win. And so there's Kevin Adams, who's a nice enough guy. And, you know, he's, he's got a fan base that is, well, right now, I think that he's, they've lost the fan base in Buffalo. But at the same time, they got a fan base that know, they know a lot about hockey. And there's a lot of pressure in order to try to make the Buffalo Sabres better and make them better quickly. And so the, the outside pressure to, to on, on Adams, in addition to picking up the phone and talking to some of these shrewd general managers is, is a tough one. Well, I would, I would, here's what I would say. I would say, you know, his, um, is there some pressure there? I think there's pressure to make a deal. Um, I don't, I'm not even oh, sure yeah, but, it matters, but, but it matters that, what the deal is. I think he's got to get rid of this guy. I think the pressure is on the other side here, John. It's on the, it's on the general manager who goes and gets him, and then finds out he's nothing more than what he's shown all year and doesn't impact your team. That general manager is going to be looking over his shoulder. Well, Bob, and I think that's I, we, what happens a lot at this time of year. We've that's talked why to, we don't see the big deals. Because these guys, at the end of the day, are not big risk takers. No, or or they know the value of a player and they're not prepared to pay it. I mean, you you can sit there and say, "Well, this is what I want for this guy," and the manager looks across and says, "I, I'm not giving that out. I've got I've got I've got my future mapped out for the next three years, and it is it isn't giving up a first round pick or a set even a second round pick." Well, wait. So, you, what happens to that general manager of Team XYZ who gives up the first round pick in exchange for Taylor Hall? Taylor Hall comes in and does nothing for the team and Buffalo goes out and gets a guy with that pick who becomes a, a significant player. That general you manager that made the that... trades under the, under fire. Sure. He is. Yeah. Sure. He is. Who's the pressure on? It's not on Adams. It's on, it's on the general manager who went and got him. Good point. You know? So um, I think there's, that's why there's I think the real risk. I don't, I, that's why I don't believe there's a, a lot of, a lot of heat here for a move. Yeah. And Darren, what, what you just said kind of intrigues me because there's more than a few teams in this position. And we'll talk about one that's uh, in this market where I'm around right now and John and Bob, and that's Toronto. Like, you know, you, you want to get better. Mm -hmm. You know, you might maybe want to improve your top six on the wing, maybe. Mm -hmm. 
And yet, if you do, are you going to upset the apple cart to the point where you're going to change things? And I can tell you an example. The Montreal Canadiens pick up stall. Stalls towards the end. They were playing a very tight, tight defensive game. Now, this is a little unfair because Gallagher's now hurt. But just before that, they were on a roll. They won back-to-back games coming off their COVID situation, or two in a row, rather. They were tight as a drum. They bring in a player. All their lines are mixed up now. Now the team concept goes away a little bit, and ooh, is it worth it? It's, it's a really interesting point, and I'm sure managers like Kyle Dubas right now and many others that are in that position are saying, do we or don't we? And if we do, what do we do? There's also, there's also something in every manager's DNA that, like the old gold miner panning in the river, trying to find that piece of gold. And they, there's something in their DNA, Greg, that says, I can fix this guy. I can make him. I, I'm, I'm a miracle. All general worker. managers in all sports believe that. That's right. So I mean, and, and is it true all, everywhere, Bob? Is that right? Huh? We've all worked. Yeah, we've all worked around teams that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time in Edmonton. Glenn Sather, for all those glory years, there was always one or two guys that he would take a chance on. Whether it be Donnie Murdoch, didn't work. Craig McTavish worked. You know, there's a. T- a ton of guys. Kent Nielsen, you know, was near the end of his career, had been, become a nomad, came in and helped the team win a Stanley Cup championship. There, there's a ton of these managers that think that I, I, I read the report from six years ago when he came out a junior, I'm going to fix him. And it does happen. It does happen. But when you take, but when you take a, top, a top player, a top three, a top six, a power play specialist, uh, a guy that has to be on the on the right half boards on the power play set up for his his setup. That's that's the part for me that it it just doesn't work. What the value is is that fifth or sixth defenseman that's a big burly guy, you know, that adds to the depth. That's a penalty killer. That's a box out machine. Uh, th- that that one that one guy that you know is going to block a shot on the third line uh, that can maybe move up and down the line, but it's got no ego, full of character. He's going to blend in that locker room and it's not going to be about him. That's what you want this time of year for me. That's right. That's the, that's the value of, of the trade deadline. The, the, the unknowns. Yeah. Underline Who knows? Character. Maybe Brett Conley might be that, you know, that kind of addition, you know, for Chicago based on what he did in so many roles for Washington as, and as, as his, you know, he's done it with Tampa Bay. They didn't win it in 15, but then he moves along. Then he has a championship. Like, you know, maybe, maybe that, that's the kind of asset that you're out there looking for. Not, not the top guys. If you're looking for a top guy, I don't think you're a real contender. Well, much as I love you three characters, um, don't call me on Monday because I'm going to do a podcast with John on Monday morning, and then I'm going to sleep the rest of the day (laughs) because I have no interest in the rest of this whole process. Which is why we're probably talking something else on Monday, Bob. I guarantee we're talking something else on Monday. (laughs) I think, I think, I think I've worked all, all three networks uh, for the, for trade deadline, including NHL network. And I, those eight o'clock or seven o'clock starts when you're sitting there slugging back 19 cups of coffee and arguing with somebody beside you, because you think he's a a centerman and he thinks he's a winger. No, thank you. This is going to be a nice off day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, the other part of it, if you're sitting talking about sitting on a set, the worst thing you do, and, and, and the regular guy on the street who's listening to this doesn't really care. The worst thing you do is you drive those 60 or 70 friends that you have in the game 
nuts. Crazy. Yes. You by do. saying, Hey, anything going on? Hey, have you, yeah. are you doing something? And then you have to send, spend four days either phoning or texting them, apologizing for driving them crazy. So, so. John, I, I did it once and it was one time too many for good old Millsy. I don't mind <laughs> sitting back those days. And uh, like Bob, I normally check in a little later in the afternoon just to see what happens. Well, well, I did it for 10 years and I'm really looking forward to Monday. I'm sure you are. Which explains <laughs> what kind of life you have. I'm, no, I'm no, I'm looking forward to Monday. I'm lo I'm looking forward to Monday not to make the calls and not be making oh, the well, text. Well, all right, uh, gentlemen. Uh, always our pleasure. Thanks a lot, Panger, Millen. You're uh, you're good guys, and we'll uh, look forward to chatting with you soon. Thanks, Love it, Bob. Great Thanks to see you. Thank you. All the best, Bob and John. Thank you very much. You. Back to wrap it in a moment after these messages. So again, our thanks to. Um, Darren Pang and Greg Milne, the goalie club. Did you learn anything? Not really. Not, not from you. <laughs> no, especially. no, I didn't. You never learn anything from me. Well, I, this, I'd not heard the stories about the two of them and how oh, they right. got started in broadcasting, which, yeah, but, I mean, maybe, maybe it's, I'm the only one who's marginally interested in that, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. And, of, oh. Course, of course, the two of them basically agreed with everything I said, so that's why I liked them. So is, um, this is this is why they're more popular than I am with you then, right? It's among the reasons, yeah. Yeah. Um, so did we miss? I'm sure we missed somebody. You 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 probably have an opinion on uh, on some other player that you think is going to get moved or what other teams are going to do, and you think Winnipeg is probably going to try and do something. Yeah, on the blue line, yeah. Do you think the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to try and do something? Well, you know, Greg touched on it. I, I think they're, you know, Kyle Dubas is always trying to tweak. Kyle Dubas has made no secret that this is the year for the Maple Leafs to win. Uh, and But here, here's, the, here's the big problem, Bob, and you, you've touched on this a few times in the last couple of weeks, is how do you measure how good you are when you only played six other teams? Yeah, that's part of it. And, and so you can think you're the best team in the North, and you might be the sixth best team in the league because you don't know. You're not as good. Like you're not as good as Colorado. Colorado's a really good team. You're, you're not as good as Tampa. You may not be as good as Florida and you may not be as good as the Islanders. So, yeah. And, and at the end of the day, how much better are you than Winnipeg? Even though you have a few oh, points in hand, Winnipeg's a pretty good team and they would scare the hell out of you at some point, wouldn't they? The, the, so, it, Winnipeg, Winnipeg will scare you. Job. Montreal will scare you and Edmonton will scare you. It's going to be tough to get out of the North. Uh, enjoy your weekend, everybody. Um, if you're sitting in front of the television set, you're probably sitting in front and uh, watching the masters, uh, have fun. And we'll uh, see you on Monday. If the crick don't rise. Thanks for listening. Bye.